This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. First up today, we had to start with this. It is a big story. The controversial appointment of Nurul Iza Anwar as Senior Economic and Finance Advisor to the Prime Minister and Finance Minister, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. Who, of course, also happens to be her father. Yeah, I thought the names kind of tipped everyone off. (laughs) That is really the point of contention, right? So this first came to light uh, when Nurul Iza revealed her appointment as Senior Advisor to the Prime Minister in an interview with The Star. And she says that she's been serving in the role since the 3rd of January um, and that she's doing this pro bono. So she's not receiving a salary or any allowance for the role. Uh, Once this came out, there was a fair amount of pushback and criticism. So then subsequently, the Prime Minister, Anwar, came out to defend the appointment and when asked about her qualifications for the role, he said that she had a master's degree in public policy from the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies in addition to her bachelor's degree in engineering. Um, And he said also that he himself didn't have qualifications in finance or economics, um, you know, back when he was finance minister or even to hold the role currently and pointed out that um, numerous other ministers didn't necessarily have academic qualifications in the role that they went on to take on. Um, However, of course, that's not really the point here, is it? No, no. It's uh, close to the point, It's but it's mostly peripheral because I think the criticisms haven't really been about her qualifications per se or her intelligence or her abilities. Really, they have focused on who she is in relation to the person in the seat of power. Because as we know, um, you know, concerns around nepotism and how it is that it does not contribute to good governance, have been rife, uh, not least from the Prime Minister himself back before he was Prime Minister. And so I think that's really where the criticisms have been circling. I will say also that um, another point that has befuddled people somewhat is why it is that we're only hearing about it 27 days after the appointment was made. Because if she commenced her work um, in this role at the start of the year, then, you know, it's it's odd to only be hearing about it almost a month on. Yes. So, um, as we said, plenty of criticism being levelled at this, although there are people who are defending the appointment as well, we have to say. But if we look at, for instance, what Bersatu Deputy President Dato Sri Ahmad Faisal Azumo said, um, he tweeted... PM's eldest daughter, Nurul Iza, was appointed senior advisor to the Prime Minister on Economics and Finance. Apparently, according to her, Papa, who's also Finance Minister, appointed her effective January the 3rd, 2023. Congratulations. Um, of course, Anwar did respond to that by saying Faisal should be concerned about the theft of land, logging, shares and commissions that are destroying the country. Um, and then he said he hasn't seen these critics supporting efforts to clean up uh, the country. However, criticism isn't just coming from political quarters or political opponents, right? Right? So if we look at social media and on Twitter, um, one graphic I've seen floating around is Fami Reza's uh, famous uh visual criticism of the government of the day. Um, there's also, for instance, um, let's see. Uh, we have Zarif Arifin saying, Nuruliza is indeed a great young leader, but in my opinion, she's unqualified for the role. Plus, it's Panasi Kanan. There are many more who are more qualified. For example, Dr. Muhammad Abdul Khalid. Yes, it's positive that no allowance was allocated, but it still doesn't qualify her for the role. The tweets 
Having said that, there are people who are in support and who are saying that she shouldn't be denied opportunities just because her father is who he is and, and occupies the position that he is. And instead, you know, we should be accepting all young leaders or leaders who have foresight and thought to come together and help make the country better. Um, so I think the tweet, chief among them, who that has really gotten racked up the most likes and retweets and the like is this one from Bumi Langit who says, so does this mean Nuno Iza, who has experience and expertise, cannot enlist herself to work for free just because she's Anwar's daughter? So it's good for her to just end up being a housewife, is it? And I think that, so there are a lot of other tweets that echo almost exactly that, that she shouldn't be denied opportunity and we shouldn't be denied the opportunity to have her in positions just because of who her father is. But of course, the argument is that Simply put, yes, um, particularly because of the scope of power that the Prime Minister's seat occupies. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? Because if we call out nepotism in a politician or a party that isn't one that we support, then we should also be willing to call it out, no matter how qualified the candidate might be, um, in a party that you might support. And and actually, the closest example that came to me, um, and this might be not necessarily someone that people think is the is the best example. However, I think it's a valid one. Uh, when Donald Trump appointed um, Ivanka Trump as one of the advisors in the White House, she also took on the role pro bono. Um, but that doesn't mean that people didn't constantly point out how there was a conflict of interest, primarily because you were appointed to a high-profile, potentially quite powerful position through your family connections. So, um, in case that did not tip you off today, we are talking about Nurul Iza Anwar, um, the newly minted or kind of newly minted senior economic and finance advisor to her father, the Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. Uh, this has prompted lots of criticisms um, mostly focused on the issue of nepotism. There are also people in support. Uh, we've kind of talked about both perspectives. We want to hear from you. How are you feeling about this appointment? You can call 7733 You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Thomas Van, chairperson of Bursay. So keep it here on the evening edition, BFM 89.9. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.14 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. Our show today is focused on Nurul Iza Anwar being appointed as a Senior Economic and Finance Advisor to the Prime Minister, um, an appointment that has been rife with criticism uh, from many quarters. And we're asking you, how are you feeling about this appointment? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now on the line is Thomas Van, Chairperson of Bursay. Thomas, as always, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, uh, as we've been saying, former Pematang Power MP Nurul Iza has revealed that uh, has revealed her appointment as the Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim's advisor on economy and finance. This has drawn lots of criticism. Uh, firstly, what did you make of the appointment? Well, I, I think this is a controversy only because uh, it is the Prime Minister's uh, daughter. Otherwise, I think there would be very little issue. Um, I mean, for me, when it comes to any appointment, not just this appointment, we have to ask a few key questions. I think, first of all, is 
whether there is a need for such an appointment uh, to be made. And secondly, was there any process uh, in place to make such an appointment? And of course, we know that this is the, solely the Prime Minister's prerogative to make uh, appointment of advisors uh, to him. But uh, thirdly, is also whether this person is suitably qualified or not. And when we talk about qualification, we're not just talking about academic qualification, but also the experience that this person carry uh, to the job that uh, he or she has been appointed to. And lastly, most importantly, uh, whether uh, taxpayers' money, how much of it uh, uh, is involved in the appointment of this person. So I think these are the questions that I think we need to think through rationally when we talk about this uh, appointment of Nuriza. So to to dive into all of those things that you've mentioned, um, one of the biggest issues that critics have been pointing out is that this is in fact in contrast to the PM's call for good governance, something that he's repeatedly talked about um, prior to his appointment. Talk to us about this. What are some of the largest potential issues that could arise from this in terms of governance? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's always it's very touchy when you, when a family member is appointed, appointed. But back to the question I asked is whether there is a need. And I, I, I don't know about whether there's a need or not, but uh, obviously we know that Anwar is helming uh, uh, not just the prime ministership, but also the finance portfolio. And uh, he probably does need uh, people he can trust uh, to oversee and to... To, to speak on, uh, to hear on his behalf. Uh, so that that is one thing. Second thing, I think, is that um, whether uh, she is qualified or not, that's a very important question. I think we, we must not forget that uh, Nuriza, in her own right, is uh, was the three-term uh, member of parliament uh, that has been... Uh, in touch with the issues of the people and economic issues. Um, so I think that is, uh, that is, I think, without doubt, if she is not the daughter, most people will not even question whether she's qualified or not. Um, and, of course, I think they are fully aware that this is such a sensitive appointment that they made the decision uh, to do it pro bono. Uh, so, But I think the concern that can arise is that... Uh, uh, in this so-called uh, position, she could, being the Prime Minister's daughter, exert more influence than a normal advisor would, and that could lead to an abuse of power uh, if not uh, checked uh, properly. So you mentioned uh, this question of qualification, and as part of the the defence in many ways of this, uh, the Prime Minister has said that uh, she holds a degree in public policy. Previous ministers, in fact, have also held their position even without official qualifications and done it well. And so um, since we're circling this issue, I wanted to put it to you, I guess, uh, what does it mean to be qualified enough to play the role of an advisor in government? Uh of course, uh, academic qualification that is in in line with the the appointment would uh, go a long way to help. But uh, we also would probably want to look at the experience that this person has uh, in in the carrying out the duties uh, to be in line with this appointment. So I think Nur Isa, uh, uh, as far as we know, she has been uh, a three-term MP, and not only that. 
she has been involved in various uh, think tanks and sit on different committees in parliament and chaired uh, represented, I think, even the country overseas on dif- in different conferences. So in terms of uh, qualification and, and appointment, uh, I mean, uh, experience, I think she has it. Uh, if we are concerned about mismatch of academic uh, qualification, then we probably have to review all the appointments of current ministers and even previous ministers, whether there was a match uh, of their qualification to their ministry. And uh, my suspicion is that most of them don't match, but they carry with them certain experience uh, that uh, help in in their appointment. Now, you touched on this earlier. Uh, the PM has defended the appointment by saying that Isa won't uh, be paid, i.e. she's taking the role on pro bono. Does this argument hold water with you? Um, well, I think um, <laughs> we don't know what other benefits uh, uh, other than uh, allowance that she would be getting. But I think if she's uh, carrying out her duty, uh, certain certainly we do not expect her to come out with her own uh, pocket money for travels and hotels and things like that. But uh, she has to be duly uh, uh, reimbursed uh, for whatever uh, effort that she's putting into fulfilling this role. So, but uh, if if they say it's pro bono, I think we have to take it at face value because if it's not really pro bono, I'm sure somebody will leak it out that she's been paid X amount of uh, ringgit each month. And that will be more damaging than than uh, what they are saying. We're already getting some messages talking about this. Um, how do you think this appointment will affect public perception of the government? Um, probably very divided. Uh, some will be very positive and some will be, no matter what, will be very negative. But I think only, only, only time would tell. I think uh, we'll be watching very carefully also. Uh, whether uh, others, you know, uh, family members or not, have uh, been appointed. And the same question that we have to ask is that, is there a need for such appointment? Uh, are these people qualified? And how much is it, uh, are involved, taxpayers money are involved in this appointment? So I think it's still early days. Uh, we can't, uh, uh, I mean, judge Anwar's administration uh, based on uh, this uh, one or two appointments. So if we expand the conversation a little bit, could you talk to us about how prevalent nepotism is within our political scene and the potential impact that it has? Um, we, of course, uh, know that uh, over the years, uh, different ones of uh, 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 family members, children of uh, leaders have uh, uh, been appointed into key position in government uh, from from probably uh, Mahathir's time to Patla to uh, uh, Najib or Zahid or, you know. But the, the same question uh, has to be asked. Was due process followed and was uh, taxpayers' money well spent on this ap- appointment? But uh, I think we are now entering into a new uh, phase in, in country where we expect more. And I think people are, uh, are less accepting of such appointment un- unless it's well, well justified uh, uh, to the public. 
So I think this is where Anwar uh, has this challenge, probably more than than uh, Najib or the rest would have, because uh, in the past it was accepted that this is just the way things are. But now we have higher expectation of uh, Anwar's uh, uh, government. And I think uh, this sort of criticism uh, uh fair and, and, and needed. But I think we also have to be fair uh, to uh, Nuru Iza herself. Uh, whether she is a person uh, that is uh, qualified or not or suitable enough for this appointment. And I think many would say, yes, she is. Other countries um, have Im- implemented laws and policies to prevent nepotism. In closing, um, do you think we need something like this, this form of check and balance in a Malaysian context? Well, actually, I'm, I'm not too sure I agree with that, that other countries have laws against nepotism, as in like uh, children of, uh, of uh, the leader cannot be appointed to any position. But I think uh, there are rules uh, in countries, in committees, that says that if uh, a relative or family member is being put forward as a candidate, you have to recurse yourself. You have to inform the committee that this is this person is related to you, and you would not be part of that decision-making process. I think this is a proper uh, uh, stand to take position to take uh, when there is a conflict or potential conflict of interest uh, involved. But as far as I know, I, I think there's no 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 law uh, in any country that uh, expressly forbids children of, uh, uh, of the leader uh, to be appointed to any position. Thomas, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Most welcome. Thank you. That was Thomas Van, chairperson of Bursay, weighing in on the appointment of Nurul Iza Anwar as the Prime Minister and Finance Minister's Senior Advisor on Economy and Finance. Um, we have been asking you, how are you feeling about this appointment? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. So, uh, as expected, I think lots of opinions coming through. Let's start, in fact, with a voice note um, that we received. Here is Rahim. Hi, I don't feel good at all. I mean, uh, no doubt that Nuriza is a good. Uh, person, I mean, she knows a lot. She is the one who's been pushing for policies and enhancement and stuff, right? But this, in terms of optic, is not right, right? Even if she takes it pro bono, it's not right, right? It's not right to actually put in uh, someone or uh, even your family uh, into the role, right? Especially when she actually lost her seat uh, in, during the last general election, right? So this is uh, totally not right, and people actually voting. I mean. Those who actually voted for for uh, Pakatan Harapan would be utterly disappointed because they expect something different, and it turned out to be yeah quite similar on the other side or any other parties. Rahim, thanks so much for that voice note. Uh, I think. I think you're expressing how a lot of people feel. I've heard the sentiment quite a bit, particularly in terms of voting um, sentiment and also expectation. And I I agree that if. In terms of nothing else, um, if we're talking purely about optics, that this is this this one's a bit rough. Yes, because not only see, I think saying 
well, it's not like we've not seen this before, is a little bit counterintuitive because, in fact, uh, both Anwar and Nurul Iza have pushed back and spoken out when other politicians have done similar things in the past. So that in particular is where um, this disappointment is coming from. Talking about optics, actually, Carl says, Neuralisa's appointment, no matter how clean, still not good for optics. On the other hand, Anwar has thousands of matters to deal with daily. He needs help and who's more suitable than his own daughter in terms of loyalty and trustworthiness. And she needs to be in the position to access relevant information to help her dad. Well, similarly, uh, Zokifli is saying, this action has been met with some criticism. It may be seen as an example of nepotism. Uh, the Prime Minister should consider appointing an independent and qualified expert to the position in order to ensure that the best advice is given. But I admire Nurul Iza as I feel she deserves it. So I, I do want to be clear that... Um I think Nurul Iza is actually a very capable leader and she's actually very popular. Um, you know, she often comes up as one of the uh, forerunners in terms of the next generation of leaders, right? And no one's disputing that even in the yeah. messages. I don't think anyone has said otherwise. Yeah, it really is the fact that when we say nepotism, everybody knows what that means. Um, and in this case, there's no real way to get around that point. Um, a couple of people bringing up the fact that it's a formal appointment, um, saying, uh, for instance, Osharul says, she can always assist her father in any way as family members. Why the need for an official appointment? For the perks and benefits, minus the salary? Well, Vimalan is saying the same thing. Um, if he wants advice, he can ask her over dinner. No need to appoint her. There are senior people who could fill that place. Fairness, like justice, needs to be seen to be done. And um, I'm, I'm of two minds about this because do you really want um, policies that are given over the dinner table. I, I, I don't think anyone wants that either. The, the idea is that if you, are, uh, if you are a leader of the country, right, you shouldn't necessarily be getting um, influenced in, in these sorts of ways either. And perhaps having the post is a way of formalising that and of being able to say, well, the suggestion came from here. You can trace it back. There, there are ways and documentation to ensure that, okay, you know, yes, there is somebody advising me, but it's in a formal capacity. I don't think either way is great, but I'm not certain about the dinner table argument either. No, and either way, actually, the thing is, this is a slippery slope towards others then saying, well, then what is wrong with me appointing my family members into various roles? So we'd like to hear from you. How are you feeling about the appointment as of Nurul Iza as the Senior Economic and Finance Advisor to the Prime Minister. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We have started off our show today with a bit of a hot potato uh, because we are discussing the controversial appointment of Nurul Iza as Senior Economic and Finance Advisor to the Prime Minister. Uh, this has been received variously as Hooray! We have a qualified person in an important role, uh, as well as, well, this is nepotism. This is nepotism, pure and simple, and it's not acceptable. And so that's kind of the push and pull of this conversation. And we've been asking you, how are you feeling about this appointment? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. We are getting a rather large variety of views. I will say. Uh, let's start things off with a voice note. Uh, this came in from Vasuki. Hello. 
So my opinion is very plainly that regardless of Nurul Izzah's capability and um, her experience, it's just the sort of precedence that it's setting. I understand that Anwar wants to delegate and he's perhaps going with who he trusts the most. But when in the future, um, if this was to happen with a different prime minister candidate, or sorry, prime minister, who are we to say that it's not okay when it was okay when Anwar did it just because we all know Nurul Izzah? It's just the sort of precedence that it's setting, honestly, that's making us, me, sorry, very uncomfortable. And um, I really think that Anwar and his whole team should have had the foresight for this. And it's just not a great start, to be honest. Vasuki, thank you so much for sending that through. Um, again, if you want to send us a voice note, that number is 018-789-8899. Now, to the point, um, I really love the distinction of just because you know her and like her, is it suddenly okay? And I think that that was the point you were making earlier, Sharmila, about the Trumps. Um, because it's it's kind of easy if you're not aligned to their politics to look at that and go, well, that's plain mm. wrong. Um, but when it's people that you, you like or people that you have previously previously voted for or supported, then I think it, it, it gets muddled in a way that maybe it doesn't need to be. No, and uh, I think Vasuki's point about precedence is also really important. And that's what I meant about uh, slippery slope as well, because I do think that this signals that somehow it's okay when you think the person is qualified enough, but then that's a very subjective way within which to make this uh, decision, right? Now, to be fair, um, as we said, there's a mix of uh, thoughts coming through. There are people who um, are for this appointment. So for instance, Jessica says, I have no problem at all with this appointment, as I believe Nurul is a very straightforward, fair-minded and competent person who will be able to do this job well. Um, meanwhile, Lee says, I fully support the appointment. Tanya to her and the PM, I'm fully su- I'm fully in support. She has the right match because she has an engineering degree. As an engineer, um, engineers are very innovative and creative in facing problems. They have all the time to solve any problems faced, uh, irrespective of technical or financial. An engineer makes the human being go up. He makes humans go up to the moon. They make flying possible. In short, there are no problems that can't be solved by an engineer. She has the right caliber and she's hardworking for the post. Once again, congratulations. So I think uh, Lee is an engineer. I think, (laughs) I mean, it sounds like it. I would wager so. It sounds like it, uh, but they also said as an engineer. So I, I think that that's maybe where it's coming from. And this is if your problem with it is about qualification, which for some people, I think, has presented a sticking point. But for most, it is the issue of nepotism and optics. Um, but on the subject of qualification, I think TIDJ makes a very solid point. Um, I don't think comparing a mismatch of qualification and portfolio for a minister and an advisor is valid. A minister, in my humble opinion, needs leadership qualities as behind them is a huge support system, including their respective DGs to advise them and so on. But an external advisor, it would be necessary for them to have relevant and related qualifications and experience for the advisory role. I'm neither for nor against Nuro Iza's appointment. What I find fishy is how dis- discreet it was. Uh, we can return to that point about qualification, but uh, Sharavan just says, I think the declaration made in public is adequate. Perhaps the PM can endorse to seek consensus in Parliament. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not sure, you know, because a lot of people have been saying 
if this appointment must be made in early January, why is it that we're only hearing about it now? Um, which maybe isn't enough transparency for a lot of people uh, who are levelling the criticism. Uh, but on that point about qualifications, a couple of people essentially saying, so Jason says, is there no one else available in Malaysia that knows economics? Appoint one of the think tank CEOs, this will have lesser backlash and negative optics. Meanwhile, Azmi says, uh, Anwar already has Hassan Merican as the economic advice, economy advisor, someone who's well-respected. Do we really need another person? Anyway, uh, Nurul Iza isn't an economist um, or not an accountant by training. Um, to be clear, Hassan Merican was appointed advisor to the finance ministry. But I think that point about do we really need another person, um, in which case then who would be suited for that appointment, are all valid questions to ask. Yeah, uh, and to go all the way back to TIDJ's point, not just... so. Do we need them, firstly? Uh, and then if we do need them, what are the qualifications specific to the role of someone who is providing advice on specific matters and whether that differs uh, to somebody who is occupying more of a, uh, you, you know, someone who's occupying a leadership, quote-unquote, leadership role? Uh, on that subject of advisor, though, Isaac's taking it a step further, saying there's no need for an advisor, not only for the finance ministry, but all of them. Why can't the highly paid officials in every ministry do their job? If they aren't able to come up with proper policies, then it's high time for them to be replaced. So this is an interesting one, right? Because Isaac's not alone in that criticism of what is this with appointing advisors? What does that mean? What is the difference between having a minister and deputy ministers versus advisors? And I think these are perhaps distinctions and... Distinctions and finer points at which isn't always clear to the voters? Uh, yes. Uh, so the, the thing here about the advisor, right, is um, in one sense, you could look at it perhaps cynically as a way for people to come in and get pay or perks and the like and unduly influence the government. That That is the cynical view. Uh, the other view is that, sure, you could ask um, and I'm quoting Isaac, highly paid officials within the ministry to do their job and do it well, are we then saying that there's no value in an outside eye and in the outside eye of a specialist? So I'm not necessarily in agreement with that because I think that um, that saying that there's only one way of doing things or, or that saying that just because we have had some unnecessary boards or bodies in the past that they're now all no good, um, there is absolutely value, I think, in getting advice. Who it is that we appoint to those positions, though, is what we're talking about. Yes, and I think we cannot also discount that when you are publicly and officially appointed an advisor for the government by the PM, that also offers you a certain level of prestige and um, a certain veneer that can often result in opportunities in your own um, in your own career in your own industry, which which you know is also uh, the trade off here, um, and whether that's entirely fair if it's not done in a transparent manner. Uh, Lokman says. Unacceptable. It's not about pro bono service nor the character of Nurul Iza. It's a matter of the very principle that Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim propagates and then breaks. That's coming through with a lot of people as well. I think we've already heard from a number of others saying that this is disappointing. And I think that's a sentiment that we're hearing quite a bit. However, we have Lok saying... Yes, the optics don't look good, but DSAI needs someone who can, uh, whom he can trust as there are dangers all around. Um, and an anonymous listener says, it's more on the trust and bonding that the PM has with his daughter. She's really capable based on her profile. It's a norm in our government, as we've seen this with the previous administration. Hope for the best for our country. 
But what is an advisor supposed to do? I guess you, you know. Mm. So that's what it, it. That's the question. Um, what role? What KPIs are we expecting from an advisor? Is it to protect? Is it to bolster? Or is it to provide policy advice that is then acted upon? And you know, I'm not saying that you cannot do all of those things. Just that when I read these messages, I see where you're coming from. But I go back to the question of what the role was that she was appointed for. And if you're doing it pro bono, are you even answerable to KPI, for instance? Sometimes when you get paid for something, you're more able to hold someone accountable um, in a way that you may not if somebody is doing it pro bono. And, 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 you know, these things are actually not clear. We have a couple of messages to close off, uh, at least for now. We'll return to this later. Um, from Siu Ing and Ling. I think we'll close with Ling. Let's start with Siu Ing. Uh, Siu Ing says, OK, on the one hand, it's so unfair that we can't have someone qualified for the post just because she's related to the PM, nepotism working against us. Um, I like a caller's point about the distinction between the posts of advisor and minister. I also like Nural for the advisor post because she has a gender responsive percep- perception on politics, a perspective on politics, which other men in authority play do not have. Also, please note that Isa refused any GLC post when Pakatan was first in power. So she's well aware of the ramifications of this appointment, but she still chose to accept it. I'd like to hear her reasons. Yes, I mean, I think that's actually a fair, that's actually a fair point to make. Um, and, and I've also been curious, to be honest, uh, to hear from Isa herself in terms of the thought process behind this. Uh, and Ling, closing off again. Just for now, please keep those thoughts coming. Um, it's too early for us, the public, to make too many comments. We're not in their situation. We can never understand their hurdles. I will just support the decisions of the government I voted for. My duty is voting when the time comes. Now it is their duty to their jobs. Too many cooks will spoil the broth. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's I agree. It's early. And as we go back to our guest earlier, Thomas, to say, to give them time to keep an eye on things. Uh, but I will say, I think it does behold, be, uh, it does behoove us to continue seeing whether um, there are other examples of this. So let us know, how are you feeling about the appointment of Nurul Iza as a senior advisor to the Prime Minister uh, in the capacity of uh, economy and finance? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.